Picasso's tonight. Order online at picassospizza.net. Folks, welcome back. It is Wednesday, and you know what that means. It's time for another episode of What's Trainwreck Watching. And if you've been watching for the last month and a half, you know we've been knee-deep, shoulder-deep, buried in what if, exploring the Marvel Universe, exploring what might have happened if circumstances were a little bit different, and what happens in that case. So let's not waste any time. Let's get our experts in here. We got, of course, Joe Casale, Casale Files, and of course... Jake, Micah, the Micah man. What are we doing, boys? What is going on? It is another Wednesday. It is another episode of What If. Yeah, just, uh, I mean, of course, <laughs> a great, great, great time to be alive as a Marvel fan because every Wednesday we have been getting glorious content, especially with this show, What If. And uh, I just can't get enough. Every episode has ceased to amaze me. So it's just... It's just amazing right now in the world of the MCU. Yeah, it's my my favorite Wednesday tradition now. I mean, these the, the Disney Plus drops, the Marvel drops, and it's a and it's what if is uh has hasn't really missed yet, and it didn't miss today. That's for sure. We had a great episode today again, uh, exploring some characters that we I think some of the our people's favorite MCU characters that we've seen so far too. So I think that was a nice pull of it. It was a good episode, solid all the way through. Excited to talk about it with you boys. Yeah, mm-hmm. and before we get into it, I'll get a little controversial statement. Having seen having seen Shang Chi, having seen Black Widow. These series are definitely doing it for me. I'm enjoying these series the most out of the new contact, content as we move into the multiverse saga. But let's get into it. We got What If Episode 6 and the plot. What if Killmonger rescued Tony Stark? So obviously, Casali, we have Tony Stark in the desert. He gets attacked just like he does. Jericho missiles flying all over the place. But he's not in the walls of Jericho because he gets rescued by Killmonger. Killmonger comes out of nowhere he was 400 clicks away from where his unit was supposed to be. What did you think of this uh, of this saving, this heroism by uh, Killmonger for the first five to eight minutes? I mean, I, I think that also is just the glory of how ballsy this show gets, where not only they, uh, you know, they change different outlooks and timelines throughout, you know, little parts of the MCU. I mean, this literally went all the way back to 2008's Iron Man. And that was the granddaddy of them all. That started everything from what we got when he was, you know, blown up in the desert all the way to, you know, him saving the world in Endgame. So this literally was like the end all be all of, you know, like this is what was supposed to happen. And yet, you know, come Killmonger actually saving him from the, uh, the terrorist attack, which is pretty insane to even just start out the series of wait we're not going to get Iron Man. Like, what's going on here? So it was just pretty insane to see that and pretty unique. Um, I think, again, like what what kind of shows what this show, you know, has in store for us is that they're really going all out and just showing every little possible thing that can be, you know, even if it's a tad different, you know, it changes so much that is to come. So it was cool to, uh, to get back, especially get back in the world of uh, 2008's Iron Man. I really was re- like hoping with all my heart and soul that we were getting like, oh, like Killmonger, good guy. He's going to come. He's going to save Tony Stark. He's doing all these great things. Um, maybe not exactly what is, is going to play out here, but it was it was it was dope. I mean, it was it was dope to see. It was like 
straight straight out i mean i know that everything's been straight out of the movies but like seeing that whole just like going all the way back to the original iron man and seeing that play out in that scenario was so awesome i mean it was such a great start to the episode i think it's a great way to hook everybody in because like you said like we know we're not getting iron man obviously or i mean i kind of was holding out hope that we were going to get some kind of like different version of iron man or maybe even tony was like i had this idea like let's put this dude who's a trained killer in the suit and like killmonger in iron man suit i mean i would the possibilities were kind of endless out there uh it was it was a good start to the show though um definitely definitely was interested to see where they went with it with killmonger and everything else because we know that that dude uh that dude's got a lot of different things on his mind uh mm -hmm. that, that we found out about in black panther and in the show Killmonger is like Inspector Gadget. There's no ending to uh, anything he's trying to be up to, but we'll get into it, obviously. Spoilers ahead for anyone who hasn't seen What If Episode 6. Make sure you stop right now and go watch it. But yeah, it was like you said, Micah. He, Killmonger comes in. He has this huge face appearance. He was basically like Kevin Owens on his debut. Has a huge face debut. Saves Tony Stark. Gets rid of Obadiah. Owns them both. Then all of a sudden, it's just betrayal after betrayal yeah. for the rest of the episode. As... Killmonger climbs the ladder, climbs the ladder of power, Casali. Yeah, I mean, just seeing uh, their relationship build between uh, <clears throat> Killmonger and Tony Stark, I mean, you know, obviously we all have seen Black Panther. We know what happened, not only the history of what Eric Killmonger went through, you know, the devastation of losing his father in the past and just how much uh, he wants revenge on Wakanda, so we see that, but obviously these characters don't. This is also way back in 2008. We didn't get to see that until probably around, what, 2013, 2017, maybe when that timeline was set. But so it was kind of not only, you know, deceiving for us to see, like, we all know what he's up to, but to actually see him kind of like warm up to Stark. And we also saw a new side to Tony Stark because, you know, he didn't have the the struggle that he went through. I mean... That was su not only that was such a big impact for him to have, you know, go through that terrorist attack and realize his weapons were the thing that, you know, actually, you know, got him into danger and got all of his friends and the soldiers, you know, died because of pretty much something he helped create. So, um, you know, we didn't get that in this episode. We got the polar opposite where he was like, hey, you know, let's it, let's let's get it, let's let's just, you know embrace it and, and franchise it and, and just go ahead with everything. And I thought what was kind of cool and unique to it was because uh, not only this kind of changed the game for the first Iron Man, but we actually got a little Iron Man 2 Easter eggs in there because so one of the big things that they were they were building Eric and and Tony Stark, they were, you know, teaming up to build these drones to help, you know, go into battles and so they don't have to send soldiers in even though we all know what Eric was up to, where he wanted to use them as his own weapons against um, the Wakandans. They actually built the drones that were actually from Iron Man 2, um, if you remember from the uh, the presentation. So, you know, it was kind of cool. Again, like, a, you know, a twist and turn of, of what, uh, you know, happened within the movies. This was actually, again, too, it was really in line of, you know, what, what's going on in the movies and stuff like that. So it was kind of cool to see you know, little things. And then obviously, you know, we got to see uh, Tony Stark's demise because 
you know, he, he was betrayed. Eric was doing this the whole time. It was, he was not only, I wouldn't say flip-flopping, but you really couldn't tell like where, what side he was on, who he was going against. And, you know, it was just kind of, again, I, I really liked that aspect of the episode. So I think that was kind of, you know, the, the strengths of it all. Yo, I just don't, I don't quite understand how Tony Stark just gave this man so much power. Like, I was just like, Tony, like, what are we doing here, bro? Like, like it was so quick that he was like, you know what? You're going to be like chief security. I mean, poor happy, bro. Like happy, just oh, yeah. happy's been, happy's been his right <laughs> happy hand. Happy got cut. Happy, happy did get cooked. And then, I mean, making him like, he made him COO right away. I was like, all right, this man. And we know like they, one of the things Iron Man movie did great was like, handling iron man one two and three like the po it was a very good movie like highlighting mental health honestly like with mm -hmm. his post-traumatic stress and everything with being iron man and then everything in iron man 2 i mean he was questioning his mortality the whole movie he pretty much was just accepting that he was gonna die before you know nick fury shows up and then iron man 3 he's having panic attacks all that shit and so this is one, I think this episode kind of played into that really well too, because this is a person that was not in any position to be making any big decisions for his company, clearly. And mm -hmm. he's making this guy that he just met, doesn't know anything about. All he knows is that he's a trained killer for for the the army or whatever he whatever secret division that he was working for. And he doesn't he doesn't really know anything about him and he just throws all his trust behind him. And I think that that's it's kind of plays more onto that theme that they went along with all those Iron Man movies is that Tony was not really in the right state of mind when he was making these decisions. It kind of worked out for him in the long run in the movies, but here it, it, it puts it down a different path when he puts the, the trust out of himself and into somebody else. You're absolutely right. No, throughout the entire sequence, we're kind of seeing the naivete of mm -hmm. Tony Stark without this transformation. And the watcher actually alludes to it. He says, Tony Stark never had the chance to go undergo the, you know, the transformation or the hammering out of the hero in uh, the mm -hmm. caves. Mm -hmm. And then he never was shaped in battle or anything like that. So yeah, it actually kind of reminds me of Thor one, how naive Thor was in Thor mm -hmm. one. I mean, basically they're both the same. They're trusting, they're kind of arrogant. They're kind of all over the place. So very interesting to see that. And yeah, as you guys discussed, obviously Killmonger turns on uh Rhodey. He turns on, Iron Man, and it's actually a pretty good battle sequence, I thought, versus the uh, drone. Clearly, uh, Michael B. Jordan getting to play out his, his real-life love of anime with those uh, designs. Uh, but how about Ulysses Claw <laughs> making, a, making a pretty big impact? So this movie was this movie was to uh, basically what? Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2 with a little uh, Black Panther mixed in? Actually, a lot yeah. of Black Panther mixed in. I but would even say Age of Ultron as well. <laughs> well, well, and that was my next point is you have Claw is in Black Panther. Claw is in Age of Ultron. So it's very uh -huh. interesting that they, uh, you know, kind of gave the nod to him for this spot. Um, I love him. Anytime he makes his little quips or anything like that. And obviously he, he even kind of saw ahead in this episode saying, you know, remind me not to play chess against you against uh, EK Killmonger. Um, where do you rate uh, Claw after this performance? Uh, amongst the MCU villains. I just feel like he has a lot of durability. He has a lot of, uh, you know, and the best ability is availability. And that seems to be uh, where he's been recently in these movies. But I think I'd put him in the upper, uh, the lower part of the top third. Okay. I, yeah. I mean, 
you know, it, it's funny. Claw is always such a difference, uh, a discussion because he, you know, obviously he has a, an impact within uh, the realm of Avengers: Age of Ultron, and and he did pay, play a big role, or at least an important role. A struggle that uh, Killmonger had to go through in in Black Panther. Um, you know, and it's always great to see Claw played by the great Andy Serkis, you know, among everything else that he's been in. And uh, so it's always it's always a pleasure to see. Uh, I, I mean, then again, it's always it's nice that we get to see him, you know, a little bit more within. I think that's what's great about this television show is we get to see these characters and live with them a little bit longer than we thought. Um, I mean, then again, you know, I think within his involvement within the films, I wouldn't put him way up there. Between you know, um, you know, like the greats like Thanos and even Killmonger himself, I would probably put him in the same rank as you did, Maniac. Just because I, I feel like within the movies we didn't get enough, and even in Black Panther with you know his uh, his whole thing, uh, you know, to me I don't think it was really as lived out as it was. I think it was just kind of it was great to see him again, and it made sense because he pretty much was the beginning of the talk of Vibranium and Wakanda and all that when the Avengers were looking him up in uh, Avengers Age of Ultron. So, you know, that, that's why it was so exciting to see him in the Black Panther movie. But I don't really think, you know, to me personally, his his story even really played out in that. I think it was just kind of, you know, it was too quick. It was like, there he is, and then he's gone. So even though it played an important part for not only in that film, but in this episode too, for Killmonger to make his way into Wakanda. So, you know, I, I, I think, you know, there's always something, you know, to look at. But, uh, yeah, I would agree with you, Maniac. I think he's still lower for me as well. Can I, I got to add in one thing, because he's obviously not as powerful as the other villains. But one thing I like is that we've actually seen, like, a story arc with him. How he gets his arm, like his limb chopped off by Thanos. Oh, yeah. And then what happens in the Black Panther movie? He's got an arm cannon. Like, it's sick. <laughs> like, you know, like, there's an evolution of the character. But what were your thoughts, Wake? On, uh, or sorry, I said Wake. Micah. Got crowd assist <laughs> podcast on the mind. It's there's what we are watching. There's a lot of Jakes around here. I have to shout sure. out Megabyte Ronnie because he messaged me. He messaged me earlier about a fantasy football trade, and he was trying to message Wake, and he, I was like, "Oh man!" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, I was so like, I'm not the only one. No, it was his choice today, actually. So that's kind of funny. But wow. um, the I was uh, I I love Claw. I think that um, like you said, like the fact that he even interacted with Thanos shows where like the the writers and Kevin Feige kind of saw him in the hierarchy. Like they thought he was a super important character. He is a super important Marvel character, especially with the Black Panther and with Wakanda. Like I don't think their Killmonger was an incredible villain for that movie, but there's not there's not really a better a better Black Panther Wakanda villain than Ulysses Claw in the comics or anything else. And he's not somebody I think they didn't really want. To, I guess not to carry a movie. I mean, he was heavily involved in Black Panther for sure before his uh, for his demise there. But he he is still somebody that has such an impact on Wakanda and what he's doing, going after the vibranium. How many people? I mean, how many people in the MCU do we know that even know about vibranium? Right? Like, and he is all about it. He knows so much um, about like the culture and everything else, and trying to get his hands on it. He's been clearly been a villain of Wakanda since the days of T'Chaka and everything else. And I think that the MCU, in the time that he was available and everything, really made him look like a credible threat. And I wish, 
honestly wish that they could have explored it more and seen like what kind of operations he was using, what kind of crew he was with in developing that. And maybe there's this is an opportunity to explore that again in a what if or something kind of like a series like this. Because, yeah, man, I think <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah, I just think uh, I think he I think he's been a great uh, he was a great villain, served a great purpose through this. And they, it showed that just who he was able to interact with and everything, how highly they thought of him in the MCU, too. Most definitely. This is a main event guy, plain and simple. So, yeah, I was glad to see him get a little bit of burn. Uh, but, yeah, speaking of burn, basically Killmonger playing chess, uh, outwitting everybody goes. So he goes on kind of a speed run of betrayal here. Again, spoiler alert, bear with me. Goes undercover in the Ten Rings and then betrays them to save Tony. Yep. Betrays Rhodey for the Vibranium. Betrays Stark after, after he finds out about that plan. Meets back up with Claw and then basically betrays him immediately and then sides with Wakanda, who he even betrays them just so he could like get more glorious moments. So just a crazy run, a uh, a, a glory spree or a betrayal spree. If you're uh, if you're a Halo Combat Evolved fan, I guess you could say. But uh, yeah, what'd you think of uh, how this episode turned out ultimately, and uh, where it ranks amongst the season so far for what if? Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately, ultimately it. You know, it, it played out really well, and it and it was kind of cool. Like I was saying in the beginning, how uh, you know it took different, even though it was kind of on the same path of you know within the films and what we've seen. You know, these what happened; these stakes were actually you know actually you know a, a greater damage and a greater threat throughout the 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 history of the the film side because you know these things were changed. I mean. He not only killed, you know, he killed Tony, he killed Rhodey. He, you know, he just like went through it all and, and even killed Black Panther again. It was great to see Black Panther again within this episode, um, you know, and it kind of just played out differently. I mean, even once he went into Wakanda, you know, it, it kind of it played out very differently within the movie because he was actually able to become face to face with uh, King T'Chaka, which he wasn't able to within the film. And king t'chaka was the one who you know killed his his father and and betrayed him and 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 whatnot well after his father betrayed him so you know it was kind of cool to see that you know play out and obviously it played out differently since i guess he kind of got you know that you know that um sentiment that he he was longing for and that he couldn't have gotten in black panther that way i guess it was a lot easier for him to be on the rise because he truly didn't understand what was happening and neither did you know uh t'challa you know he he that that whole movie he had no idea what his father was truly capable of and he was even questioning if he was truly meant to be king of wakanda so i think it was kind of cool all out just to see really you know, um, <clears throat> Eric Killmonger's, you know, story really play out all the way through, come full circle, you know, towards the end. So I thought that was really um, excellent within the show and the series. And it was kind of cool to see um, that all play out. And, you know, again, it was enjoyable. I mean, you know, Michael B. Jordan, he, he's, you know, he's one of the greats when you in Creed and, and obviously in this and stuff. So it's, it's always nice to see him and well and hear him and and all that. So again, it was just a fun episode, all in all. As far as yeah. what it what it ranks, um, you know, again, I don't know if I, I still have to, you know, really, really think about each one. But for me, I mean, last week's episode, the zombie episode, is still my ultimate favorite. I just I can't with that. That episode was just so much fun. But this is definitely up there too. I really enjoyed it. 
Yeah, I think one of the one of the interest, most interesting beats of this episode for me was that Tachaka interaction, right? Because Tachaka, mm-hmm. like they, I mean, Tachaka was all about it right away. He was like, he's like, you can be Black Panther, I believe it. But it was kind of because he he didn't really let on to the rest of his family and everything that. But it was kind of just because of his guilt for what happened to Injobu before. And I feel like Tachaka in this episode kind of saw it as an opportunity to kind of make amends for what had happened to to Killmonger in his childhood, right? Like he knew, they both knew exactly what happened and it was kind of like a, hey, well here, at least you can, you know, kind of have this. I thought that was a really, really interesting scene that as a play on the Black Panther lore that we know. And I was also really hoping that when he went into the, uh, the Valley of the Black Panther. I don't know exactly. I don't remember what exactly it's called, but when he gets goes under after he takes the flower and is speaking with the, the spirit of T'Challa there, that was a really interesting part of the show too. And I was hoping that maybe, maybe there's some, like some more dialogue cut somewhere that we'll eventually see or something. But mm-hmm. that was w- what I was looking forward to the most. Um, once, cause you could tell once he was going to Wakanda, we knew he was going to become the black Panther, right? Like that was, that was pretty seemed like that was kind of the beats we were going to hit. And that just that interaction of like, what does it mean? Like you can be the black Panther, but like, what does it mean when you're, when you're abusing it, we saw it a little bit in black Panther, but didn't really get to play it out that much. And then we didn't get to see it as much. And this, this episode kind of left it open-ended if they're, if what if is doing follow-up episodes or anything like that, like weeks, there should still be more of Killmonger's story to be told here. Um, the way it was going. I just, I loved it. I loved the, the touches that they put in with his connections to, um, to Wakanda and everything. I thought it was very interesting. Um, to explore that family dynamic a little more. I would rank it. I think with you, I'm with you. I love that zombie episode from last week. It was so much fun. I think oh. my favorite one was the, was the Hank Pym going crazy one. still. I think that's mm. still on top. And so I'll put it right on even keel with the, with the captain Carter uh, remake origin story type deal that they did with these two. Cause that was, it, those were, were pretty enjoyable. Wow. Our rankings are just completely different, but that's what makes it so great. I'm <laughs> one straight our country. And I still love them all. I don't have an episode ranked below oh, like yeah. a seven and a half for sure. So very excited to see what they bring us next. We got three more episodes in this season. Yeah. Uh, but boys, as we wrap it up on what's trading our watch tonight, we got a big couple of weeks ahead. We got the, the Saints of Newark coming out soon. Um, mm-hmm. And we got this past week that Hawkeye trailer. First Christmas uh, Marvel action yes. since Iron Man 3, Casali. Yes, I mean, you know, it's always, uh, again, not only with these episodes, but it's always, uh, you know, it's Christmas came early, so to speak, because we got the Hawkeye trailer and it was kind of cool to see what that um, that story is entailed because, I mean, it's interesting because we, we see at the end of Black Widow that, um, you know, uh, what is it, you know, uh, what's her name? I forget her name, but her sister was visited by... Uh, um, again, I forget her name. My, my mind is blinking. Elena. Yeah. Elena was visited at the end to pretty much say that it was Hawkeye, uh, that killed, you know, Black Widow. Um, and obviously she, you know, feels that, you know, that's true, even though nobody really knows that actually they went into space and, and Black Widow had to sacrifice herself to get the soul stone. So, you know, it's kind of cool to see, like, is that what this is going to take place? Like, is Hawkeye going to be framed and he's, he has to go on the run? Meanwhile, you know, it looks like Kate Bishop, which is cool, you know, to to finally get that character. You know, is she becoming the new Ronin or all that? I mean, there's a lot 
that even from the trailer, one trailer alone, you know, three minutes is like, holy crap, like, you know, all this speculation and stuff. So it's just so exciting. Anytime we get a new, you know, MCU, this, whether it's this, we get Eternals in a couple months. So it's just, it's so exciting. We still have so much on the horizon. So much on the horizon. So bring me that horizon. Call me Captain Jack Sparrow. Thank you for tuning in. YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, Twitch. What else do we got? SoundCloud, Instagram, Twitter. We got them all. Thank you for tuning MySpace, along. Everything. MySpace, of course. MySpace. There's a MySpace, MySpace reference in this episode from Iron Man 2008. Don't post this on your MySpace. So, folks, right. if you don't be afraid to post this on your MySpace. We appreciate you following along. Big shout out to my co-hosts, Jake Micah and Joe Casali. I'm Maniac. You've watched it. You've been listening, watching. What's Trainer Rock watching? Where, you know, it's always about next, next week's, week's episode. episode.